0: Welcome to See You Later, the podcast where we unpack the good and the baggage that comes with growing up as a third culture kid. My name is Caroline Mason, and I am your host and a third culture kid. If the term third culture kid is unfamiliar to you, please refer to the first episode. Now, without further ado, this is See You Later. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I am joined by fellow third culture kid, Luke. We have known each other for a little over a decade, and now we are both in our last semester of college, which is wild. But I'm going to have Luke introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, Caroline. Thank you for having me. First off, um, this is super cool. And it is crazy to think that we've known each other for that long, because Mm that makes me feel a bit dated. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's uh, yeah. I, I My name is Luke and I grew up in Austria and France, Germany a little bit. My mom's from Germany. And then my dad is from the States. So definitely a, a TCK, third culture kid, MK as well. And yeah, when you sent me a message and asked about this podcast, I, was, I hopped on it. I said, absolutely. This is awesome.
0: You did just say, like, I'm a TCK. I would love to hear a little bit more. Do you feel like that's a label you use frequently? Is that kind of an integral part of you? Or is that something you've avoided using as you've moved to the States? I think it's
1: something that I, I like to use a lot. Um, but I'm recognizing more and more how uh, rare it is for people to, to really understand that. Uh, so I, I think it's something that I've always identified with. Um, but at this stage of life, I'm coming to see how special it is for people to understand that experience. And not many people do.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really, really special thing to recognize as an adult how much of a strength your ness is. I think it's easy to view it as a weakness or almost more of a burden. But when you recognize like, no, there's so much about being a TCK that really is a strength. It's really beautiful. Mm, absolutely. So, you mentioned kind of some of your homes. I would love to hear a little bit of your story as much as you are willing and open to share. So, a little bit about your homes, your upbringing. Um, what is your kind of TCK story?
1: Absolutely. Well, first homes were in Austria. And I mean, they're, you know, moving around Austria is an interesting experience because you're constantly surrounded by mountains. We were in southern Tyrol, which is. Thirty minutes across the border from Italy, so essentially you can you can have lunch in Austria and then thirty minutes later you can have coffee in Italy. So it was it was a, a beautiful place to live, and um, still now when I think back on on that time, I was there from my birth all the way until I was eleven years old. So that was home for quite a while. Although uh, this is the this is where. The third culture experience becomes interesting. Um, I learned to speak German from my mom and she's German and so at home we would speak German together but she's from northern Germany and they speak uh, Hochdeutsch which is high German and in Austria they speak with the the Austrian dialect which is very different. So everyone already could tell that I was not from there even though i was born in austria but i was uh all of us uh, i have two siblings and we were definitely outsiders because you could just tell by our accent and i don't know why we never picked up the austrian accent but it just just didn't connect so we we had high german in um southern austria and right off the bat that was a a, a marker of living on the inside and yet feeling like you're on the outside if that makes sense um, and and then when i was 11 we moved to france northern france and um i had the experience of truly learning a language for the first time because it wasn't uh one of my parents teaching me it was really from zero and and then that was once again a feeling of oh you know something's <laughs> Different. I'm. I'm a foreigner in this place, and I'm having to grapple with things that most kids my age were not grappling with. And I think even at the time, I wasn't even fully aware of the fact that that was what I was going through or processing. But looking back, uh, I I can see how it felt like an outsider looking at things from the inside. From, from within a country, mm-hmm. um, and so then, when I was eighteen or nineteen, you know, fast forward again about almost ten years, I started looking at schools in the states because I knew that I wanted to go to college in the states and um I eventually settled on Virginia, and that's where i I've, I've been in college, and that, I think, was a drastic culture shock. In and of itself that i wasn't really expecting because well we all know america and we you know we feel like we're familiar with this this thing that we call the united states but once you arrive here you realize that it's it is actually quite different and um and it's not what you expect so that's been my trajectory and i'm, I'm 24 now and basically done with school i st- ended up starting school late because i was uh involved with music in france i was in a band Still am in a band. I was doing a lot of music back then and pushed school back to the point of essentially all the way up until COVID started. And then we couldn't do any more shows. and There was no more music. So I figured it's time to to get my degree. That's Mm -hmm. what I did.
0: So why the U.S.? Why were you like, I'm going to college in the States? Did you look elsewhere? Was it just like, I'm going to the States? I knew that
1: I wanted to be in the States. I knew that that would be... uh, an experience that that would be valuable to me would teach me a lot, but also going forward looking forward into the future, I knew the kind of work that I would like to do would likely require an American degree um, Now, I'm at a point where I'm thinking of grad school these days, and I know that that might even be from a school abroad. I might get a degree from Germany or something mm-hmm. but the the undergrad uh, I I knew that I wanted that degree to come from the states which both of my siblings had that same perspective and and it's worked out pretty well so far
0: In all of your homes before the US were you completely immersed like did you guys have any international community or other Americans around you or was it just pretty full immersion So
1: we were we were completely immersed um we were the only Americans in Austria at least in our in our region doing the work that we were doing with with refugees and then the same thing in France so it was the complete immersion and when i hear from my friends who grew up maybe on military bases or in international communities it's a different experience it's a very different experience not to say that it's any less challenging or intricate but it is very different and When I look at my parents and the decisions that they were having to make about taking a family to a foreign place without a lot of resources and without a lot of community there, it was a very brave thing to do and I admire them for it. I think I'm I'm very thankful for that experience as difficult as it was.
0: I'm fully with you. I think immersion versus being in an international community, They're so different. It's really difficult to compare because, I mean, I know my family, when we were in Estonia, we were completely immersed. And then moving to a super international community in Hungary was very strange. Mm -hmm. I think having more internationals around me or just other Americans, just different people (laughs) other than just Estonians (laughs) aided in my transition to the U.S. But I also know that immersion in Estonia was so valuable and really feeling like, okay, I'm part of this place and taking on a language and a whole culture as my own.
1: Yeah, I was going to affirm that it—it it is being immersed in a place is an experience that you are never going to get anywhere else. It's completely different from being immersed as a tourist. It's completely different from being in an international community. And it's something that I think gives you a unique perspective, not to say that it's better, but it's definitely unique. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I want to hear a little bit more about your transition to the US in a minute. Um, but I want to share this quote with you. I was watching a video. It was about drew barrymore And she was visiting kind of old impactful places in her life And there was one quote at the end of this video that just stuck out and I was like, wow I think it's a tck that super resonates but she said I will never lose sight of this part of my story I have seen and been through things and they've helped me just recognize and all of us that we go through stuff It can't be embarrassing. It has to be our strength It has to be something that we can be proud of because we overcame it and look back with honor and humor And I just think that's such a beautiful encapsulation of looking back at our time in Europe, our time growing up in these places that now feel really far away and we can feel out of touch with on this side of the ocean. I think it's a beautiful thing to say, like, yes, we look back at those and they are our strength and they're part of us and we look back with honor and humor.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important to recognize that these places are part of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the tendency for people who live internationally or grow up internationally, the tendency is to think that we are separate from these places. But I think the reality is that we're actually very intertwined with all of them, Mm -hmm. which, which is what makes it so complicated, because you can't just detach and all of a sudden you're just like everyone else, that you've been impacted by these places and they've left a mark on you in ways that you might not even realize until later on in life. So absolutely. Looking back and, and seeing the the layers, the complexity of where you have come from is such an important thing. I, I like that, too. That's cool.
0: So what was your transition to the U.S. like?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, simple question. <laughs> yeah it it happened during covid which which added another layer of of strangeness i remember arriving i went to 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 school my undergrad school here in a small tiny town in in virginia and great school but i realized very very quickly when i arrived that there wasn't much to do <laughs> and The ways that I wanted to get involved with my school, with my classmates, fellow peers was not going to be possible because of COVID. So what ended up happening was my first semester and really my first two semesters were spent in relative solitude, relative isolation. As I think many of us experienced, except that I was then also having to to deal with Feeling out of place in terms of coming from France, feeling more comfortable with my French friends, uh, feeling more comfortable with that culture and not having any means of establishing a new support network in the states because of quarantine essentially so the transition was rocky <laughs> to say the least and and throw so on that. You know, in a relationship at the time, I was I was uh, going through some things and figuring life out. Uh, it was it was a very complex time, and and I really like how um, Drew Barrymore was 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 saying that. I like that you included that in this because now looking back on it, I can look at I can say that was that was an interesting time, and I can see it humorously. But while I was in it, that was a uh, that was a a very uh rocky
0: time. Yeah. I have one more <laughs> little section of a book that I wanted to bring up and then I want to hear kind of what it's looked like for you to put down roots in the last years once you've gotten through that transition or at least settled into this season of life. Yeah. But this is from a book called Making Peace with Change. It's by a woman named Gina and I've started reading her book and I was like wow, I think in this last semester of college, this whole idea of making peace with change is really important. But she says, it's tempting to rush through life's transitions. We want to feel rooted, to know the way, to be established, productive, and confident. We want to feel peace again. And we think that's only found once we're on the other side of these turbulent times, if we can survive that long. But what if transition is a gift? What if all that uprooting isn't meant to destroy us, but to change us? So I'd love to hear thoughts on that. But then also in the midst of change, especially in these last few years, what has helped you put down roots? What has made you feel grounded or what recent experiences have made you kind of recognize I need to slow down in the midst of this change?
1: Yeah, sounds like a good read. Just the thought of making peace with transition. When we think about, and and I'll get to your question in a second, but you think about feeling grounded and so often we're grasping for that sense of, of feeling grounded. But the crazy thing is that once you let go and you're okay with not feeling grounded, that kind of grounds you. <laughs> it kind of brings you back down to earth and and you accept the way things are. And just doing that, it feels so backwards because you think, well, I'm not actually achieving anything. I'm not achieving the grounded." reality that i somehow think is out there but in in letting go of that you come to peace yeah you you reach a place of peace with your transition so that's really cool i think putting down roots while you're in college is already a temporary thing right we all graduate and we all move on to the next thing and even though we might come back to the place where we once studied we'll come back in a different capacity so i think Especially now, I'm graduating this December, so I'm feeling that temporary nature a lot these days because I can sense how this is gonna be different. I'll definitely come back, but I won't be coming back as an undergrad student. So I think those roots have been temporary for me. And when it comes to feeling grounded, there's one experience that encapsulates that for me, which I did a, a fair amount of traveling throughout the past year and over spring break this was last year i was debating what i should do last minute i had this idea to just fly to nepal and so i bought the tickets and i didn't know anyone in nepal i had no idea what i was really getting into but i knew okay i'll spend a week out there and we'll see what happens so i know this story is starting off in a very ungrounded way because (laughs) because i'm essentially saying let me just get out Let me." let me explore, um, which does feel like familiarity for many Mm -hmm. TCKs, I think. A lot of third culture kids uh, feel at home on the road. And so this was me kind of getting in touch with that side again. But anyway, I find out through mutual friends that actually I know someone who's living in Nepal and is able to show me around Nepal and, and teach me many wonderful things. But on my last day in Kathmandu, I was in the capital, I have the day to myself and Beautiful weather, although Kathmandu is. But I call up one of the taxi drivers that has been driving me around throughout the week. His name was Krishna. And I asked Krishna, you know, can you, I've got some time before I have to leave. Is there some exploring that we could do? And so Krishna says, yeah, brother, no problem. I'll come to pick you up, brother. <laughs> he, he called everyone brother, which was wonderful. And, uh, and so he arrives, uh, picks me up, and drives me out of the city into kind of the foothills of the Himalayas and drops me off at this temple. And whenever I retell this story, I'm always thinking, this is so strange that I experienced this. (laughs) But here I was, you know, little Luke in Nepal about to step into this Hindu temple. And it was a, a small temple. I walked through the door into this courtyard that was just bathed in sunlight. And I was the only one there. So, I sit down on the steps of the temple and pull out my notebook and I start writing. And I'm just writing about, you know, the past week, the experiences, some of the things that I was processing in my life. I was in a very dark place, or I would say coming out of that place and asking big questions. So, you know, I'm writing away in my little notebook and this boy walks up to me. He must have been, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And he looks at what I'm writing, and then he looks at me, and I look down at him, and I smile, and he smiles, and I just keep writing. And then there's a man who has been praying at each of the statues. And there's a, a ritual when you pray, You, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm messing this up in many ways, but you touch the statue, you Say a prayer and, and then you move on to the next one. And eventually, this man turns around and he walks towards me. Then he starts speaking and he starts talking with me. And I didn't get the sense that he wanted anything, it, it was just a conversation. And so, there we are talking. And he, he sits down next to me, and his name was Chandra. And so, we're talking, and I'm asking him all of these questions about Hinduism. It's such a foreign religion to me. I didn't grow up with it. And so I'm curious. And I'm also kind of secretly in the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe there's some wisdom here that I can grasp onto for, for my life because I'm not feeling grounded. I'm feeling pretty untethered
0: in my mm-hmm. life.
1: And eventually, yeah, I'm asking these questions and he says, stop. And he looks at me and he says, Luke, stop trying so hard. And so I look back at him, and I say, what do you mean? <laughs> and and he says, well, there's two things in life, and they are intellect, and then there's intelligence. And I think by intelligence, what he meant to say was wisdom. But anyway, so he, he says there's these two things, and what you seek is intelligence, but you're asking intellectual questions. So then I kind of let that sink in, and I, I sat there for a, a moment, and... And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he says, well, and he points at the sky and he says, this sky, this blue sky is limitless. It just keeps going. And we only see a fraction of it. We only see part of it. And yet we trust that there is more. Right. So in our limited capacity, we have to surrender to the limitless reality. And then he said, it's the same way with God. It's the same way with faith. That is an unlimited, limitless being. And in order to, to come to a place of peace, in order to gain this wisdom or this intelligence that we're seeking, we have to surrender in our very limited capacity, knowing that we'll probably never figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: i retold that story many times and I go over that thinking, wow, something so big, something so unknowable as kind of the full breadth of reality, there's no way that you're going to come to a place of peace or a place of feeling grounded if you always have to figure it out. At some point, you're going to have to just surrender to the mystery of it all. And that brings with it a sense of feeling grounded. So I think that's something that I've learned. And there's been other moments like that. I spent some time in a silent monastery this past winter. And that also kind of described my experience there, just surrendering. Feeling grounded is so much about surrendering to your very limited ability to ground yourself, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah that was a big moment for
0: me. Have either of those trips resulted in like adopting certain habits or disciplines to kind of continue that exploration whether that's like journaling or maybe prayer or just other things that have forced you to really slow down?
1: Yeah, well, I think you said it right there, just slowing down. I mean, I sat there with Chandra for 2 hours. Mm-hmm. and We really slowed down. <laughs> and we were we were just talking, right? Um, but that being said, I think things like meditation—that's a really powerful tool. Prayer is a, is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, just before I hopped on this call with you, I prayed, and I think that's a way of grounding ourselves in the present. Writing can be extremely cathartic, and in that sense, it's powerful. But for me, it can sometimes also lead to feeling a bit lost in my thoughts. There comes a point where you have to instead of trying to resolve things, you you accept them. Talking with friends is a really powerful thing. Uh if you're a verbal processor, that's which is definitely what I am, if you can tell by now. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. It's that and that's a beautiful thing, right? When you have mm-hmm. a friend that you can bounce ideas off of and be there for each other in that moment. I think that's a really powerful tool and a powerful thing that we can offer each other as as people,
0: the whole concept of slowing down is something I have really, really explored or adopted. I don't know what the right word is. Uh, just in my college years, because I I came into college with so much anxiety, and anxiety is still part of my day to day life. But it looks so different, and I think the whole healing process and the grief processing and all of that over the last few years has been drastically shaped by practices of just slowing down, um, yeah. whether that's going for a walk and like not, we have so much noise nowadays. Like I'm shocked by the amount of people who walk around 24 seven with their AirPods in their ears. And yeah. I'm like, take them out. Like just listen. Just for yeah. two minutes and just walk around with your ears. Open. I don't know how people yeah. do that. I, I would feel <laughs> like,
1: what if someone calls my name? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Yeah. What if
1: what if someone tries to talk to me and I just completely ignore them as I walk by them yes. with my AirPods? <laughs> in? I just like, I couldn't do that.
0: Yeah, and this is not, I mean, this is coming from a place of, I am learning this constantly and this is something I wrestle with. It's not like, wow, I have perfectly nailed down my beautiful slow routine. No, that's I'm right. a college student. It's, it's not like that. I mean,
1: who knows? Maybe someone who is going to be listening to this is walking through their campus with their mm-hmm. AirPods in right now. So <laughs> if that's the case, you know,
0: no actually keep them in listen to the episode and then take them out i'm just kidding exactly
1: yeah
0: yeah but i just i think the whole slowing down process is huge for spiritual growth for emotional growth and i think especially as tck's we just we carry a lot with us and transition to the states and all that it's it's a lot so i think it's just a beautiful space to process and explore all those emotions yeah but how are you feeling moving forward we are both kind of transitioning out of this place in time and with these people to something else are there things kind of from now that you want to carry into that next stage or just where are you at with all that that's a good question Uh, i think if you had asked me this question
1: in the spring i
0: would have said oh man
1: there's so many things that i want to take with me and so many people and so many experiences that i want to continue um but I think at this stage, that the closer that I get to the next, the next chapter of of life, which I think graduation feels very much like a a bookend. I think important friendships; those are those are things that you want to continue, that you want to hopefully you can you can bring into the next stage of life. I think the lessons that I take from the past chapter of life, the lessons that I take from that are definitely going to be traveling with me. And in that sense, I feel a sense of peace about the next stage. And I have already begun moving into adulthood, I think. And eventually you, you get to a place where you can say, nah, I, I got this. I can handle this. Whatever the the next step might be. you You've been through enough to realize that even when things fall apart completely, you're you're gonna most likely be okay. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think I wanna take those lessons with me, but the rest, I want to be willing to let go. You know, we don't wanna be the people who who peaked in college or who peaked in high school, whatever it might be. You, You wanna, you want to keep growing and keep learning. And I think, that act of, of growth requires a, um, I think the word I'm looking for is a shedding of, of the old and letting go of the old so that you make space for new growth and new life in whichever form it comes to you. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think that that, that we should hold on to to these years? And if so, what is it that we're holding on to?
0: Yeah, this really varies with TCKs, especially of like, what do I carry on? What do I leave behind? I think for (laughs) some people, it's just kind of the way also for them to have enough capacity to build relationships in their next stage. They need to leave more behind. I have always been someone I tend to like over cling. That's not a term, but I'm making it one. I cling to things (laughs) um, pretty closely and I have... Difficulty letting go of things. So I'm always, I lean toward, okay, I'm going to hold on to all these people, to all these practices, these memories, whatever it is, these places. Yeah. But I think now realizing, you know, out of all the, you could say, whatever, the 100 people I know on campus, more Mm -hmm. than likely, I'm only going to carry a few of these relationships forward and say, yes, I'm going to prioritize investing in these down the road or booking the plane ticket to come back and see these people. Yeah. I've changed the way I approach my faith and again, just the practices of slowing down and avoiding burnout, learning to say no and to set boundaries, both in a professional setting, in relationships, in school, etc. I think those are all really important things that have helped me say, yes, you know, I'm ready to I'm ready to move forward. And I know I have better tools now kind of in my toolbox to adult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. To grieve, to build new relationships, and not feel like, oh my gosh, really again this? Yeah,
1: I think that's the act of growing up is kind of ideally you're adding to the tool belt,
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: it's amazing how most of those tools are about kind of emotional IQ, your emotional intelligence and your self awareness. That word gets thrown around so much nowadays, but. But it's it's a really valuable thing, and it's really important. Mm-hmm. Knowledge of self and maybe your fears, the things that tend to hold you back, whether that's in relationship to others or in relationship to yourself, I think those are the most valuable tools.
0: And who knows?
1: We might look back on this in 10 years and say, oh, my goodness,
0: <laughs> we had <have> so much
1: <laughs> to learn which is definitely We were the
0: case. so young and dumb.
1: <laughs> right. And and I think there's there's truth to that. We're going to learn yeah. so much more as time goes on. But eventually you do reach a stage of, "Hey, okay, let's work with what what we've got." And and, and so mm-hmm. far we've we've learned some pretty valuable things.
0: So, um I was just reminded of something else that Gina says in her book and she kind of the first stage of making peace with change is acknowledging she uses this phrase this is hard like just acknowledging that and I think that's that's a big tool from college and looking back on my story and moving forward is I'm not afraid to say that now I think sometimes we were like well it wasn't that bad or oh that's just missionary kid life Ha ha. Um, right. right but embracing like no that was hard or like that was you can use whatever term you want. Like that was really, um, really unbelievably difficult. Um, but you got through it. We should have Gina on the podcast. I would love to have Gina on the podcast.
1: <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. It, I wonder how common this is for PCKs, but we have such a unique experience that I think sometimes we don't even realize that there are these resources or authors or people who have actually thought about these things and and written about them. And I think that would be a already a big step towards understanding this whole thing that we call third culture. I think that would be huge. It's definitely something that I can do more reading on and and, um, Mm -hmm. try to understand a bit more because we understand it from an experiential place. But do we understand it from a more of an intellectual space? That's I certainly feel that there's still a lot of a lot of learning to be done.
0: Yeah. As we're wrapping up here, what advice would you give to younger TCKs or a younger Luke? Now that you know what's ahead, what advice would you give?
1: Mm, That's a great question. I would say don't be afraid to throw yourself into the unknown and to surrender to the mystery. But at the same time, don't forget to also go inwards and ask yourself what what's going on with me because ultimately life will keep changing and you're going to continue to encounter different people, different environments. I wouldn't say only try to understand, only try to connect with your new environment, but couple that with seeking to understand yourself and just ask the question why. You know, if you're feeling a certain way, why is a really powerful question. I was talking with my mom about this the other day. When you reach a a fork in the road, whether that's a difficult experience or a phase of life, whatever it might be, you do always have a choice. And you can either go down the path that feels most comfortable, maybe that for some of us, I think that's fear, or some of us is anger, when we encounter such a different environment or a different phase of life. But you can also engage with that new experience with curiosity. You can engage with people from a, a perspective of, tell me more. I want to know more. So that's what I would tell myself. Just be curious, ask why, and and don't be afraid of of the unknown.
0: What's your culture shock moment, funny or serious, that you want to share with us?
1: That's good. Uh, My culture shock moment. I had to think about this one a little bit. You, you <laughs> let me know ahead of time, which I really appreciate. Yeah. But I settled on a moment that happened long ago. I must have been nine years old. And I was at summer camp in the States. So this was a fun summer camp. It was, I think it was two weeks long and lots of activities like kayaking, building things, just being out in the woods, campfires, all all the good stuff, right? One of the days, and I'm eight or nine years old. So obviously when you first meet your buddies, it's not a really deep conversation. (laughs) You guys are just, you're just happy to have friends at that point. And so we're hanging out and maybe two or three days into it, one of my buddies, he was a very, sweet character, the way I remember it. He looked at me one time and he said, Luke, where are you from? And I said, hey, dude, I'm from France. And, and then he looks back at me and he says, whoa, is that in Paris? And, <laughs> and I, I said, well, no, but you're not far off. And, and that's the reason I chose that moment um, because there's so many other moments, I think culture shock often happens in a really extended format like there's not just one moment, but we go through mm-hmm. it over and over and over again over a period of time. and yet this tiny moment when I was nine years old really describes all of the other moments of culture shock where where people think, they understand, and they 're not far off like they 've got the right idea. And yet they don't understand at all, and it's this dissonance that you feel internally about well, yes, but no and and I think that's what culture shock kind of feels like you can you see it, you're taking in the information, but it's not connecting, and it doesn't make sense, and the people that you meet will likely think, "Oh, I know what you're talking about, but they're completely off that is uh what my culture shock has felt like in many ways is just learning to accept that. Well, people are not going to understand, and I'm not going to understand people. But that's just the way it goes, and that's that's okay.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, we're not together, but you know, <laughs> being on the podcast, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's always good to talk to you. If you would like to, you are welcome to say goodbye in French or German or what other. Yeah. Whatever
1: other language. For sure. You want to. My, uh, my, my voice message on my phone, I, I say hello to people uh, in these different languages. But now I'll say goodbye. So au revoir. I'll feed us in. See you later. This has been wonderful, Caroline. Thank you so much. And um, I hope to do it again.
0: Yeah. As always, see you later. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of See You Later. I hope this conversation reminded you of something you can now go unpack or made you feel less alone or maybe just made you laugh. It is an absolute joy to know the incredible humans featured on this podcast and I hope you feel as honored as I do to be led into their stories. If you're interested, you can check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in the episode. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. And as always, see you later.